Hi everyone, for those of you who don't know me, my name is PJ and welcome to my luxurious cabin. And in today's brief talk, I'm going to be continuing our series on the culture of heaven. Uh, but today's message won't be live at the King's Arms meetings, it's specifically for those of you who are joining us online. And if you've been watching over recent weeks, you'll know that we've been looking at what it means to reflect the kingdom of heaven through being a diverse and multicultural church. And today, I want to try and tap in a little bit to both the joys and the challenges of being part of a diverse church. Because the truth is that whenever you have people mixing together, there will always be challenges. The American newspaper USA Today ran the following story. It goes like this. An elderly Floridan lady did her shopping. When she got back to her car in the car park, she found four young men in the process of driving away in it. This being Florida, she immediately dropped her shopping bags and drew a pistol from her purse, proceeding to scream at the top of her voice, I have a gun and I know how to use it. Get out of the car. The four youths looked terrified. They instantly dived out of the car and scattered. The lady, now somewhat shaken, then proceeded to load her shopping bags into the back seat of the vehicle and then got into the driver's seat. She was so shaken that she couldn't get her key into the ignition. She tried and tried to fit it in until finally it dawned on her what the problem was. A few minutes later, she found her own car parked four or five spaces down. She then drove to the police station to explain. She told the desk sergeant what had happened, at which point he doubled over with laughter. And then finally regaining his composure, it says he pointed to the other end of the room where four rather pale young men were reporting a carjacking by a mad elderly woman with curly white hair, last seen wielding a very large handgun. The report ends, no charges were filed. Well, you can see how life gets complicated. Um, you know, in principle, we're all on board with things like uh, cooperation, mutual trust and togetherness. It's just that in the kind of nitty gritty of life that things get complicated. But the good news for you and I is that our faith is meant to be worked out in this rather complicated world. Having a relationship with God is supposed to be applied in the nitty gritty of everyday life. After all, Jesus entered this world to engage with all its mess and brokenness. And if you think about it, so many of the epistles, the letters in the New Testament, were sent to churches working through difficulties in the middle of very complicated situations. And today's passage is no exception. It might be familiar to many of us, but I think it's one that's very relevant to us today. And it has things to say about our heart attitudes, to all kinds of things and regarding diversity, be whether that be to do with race or age or class or whatever. All kinds of different distinctions are relevant here. So if you've got a Bible and you're watching later on online, you might want to pause and turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12. If not, I'm going to read it for us here. Um, so 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to read it from verse 12. It says this, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free, but we have all been baptised into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, 
would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would it hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts that we regard as less honourable are those we clothe with the greatest care. The context for this passage is that Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. Um, If you're not aware, Corinth was in an absolute mess. It was quite possibly the worst church ever. Um, For example, um, they have communion over a meal together, which is a great thing, except that the poor people in the church have to work the unsociable hours. So when they finally get to wherever the dinner is, they discover that the rich people have eaten all the food ahead of them. That's just one illustration. There's a lot of selfishness, uh, there's immaturity in the church, and they're inconsiderate of one another. Now, if I ever feel discouraged about how far we have to go as a church, I just read Corinthians and I start to feel a bit better. Um, And it's into that context that Paul writes about what it means to belong to a church family. He's describing what their culture of honour and acceptance should look like. And just as a body has lots of different parts to it, in just the same way, the church is one body, but it's made up of lots of different people. And to make his point, he warns us about different scenarios that might happen in the body of Christ. Essentially, he's saying there can be three possible situations. In the body of Christ, people can get left out, they can opt out, or they can get built in. Left out, opt out, and built in. So what I want to do today is just very simply look at these three possibilities. So firstly, left out. Whenever you get people interacting with one another, there will always be the potential for someone to be excluded. It can happen so easily. I remember being on a two-year training course And uh, part of the group was a guy from Belgium who spoke English as a second language. I'll never forget the day he took me to one side and said, Paul, I know it's harder to understand me, but I just feel so lonely on this course. People don't have any patience as I'm trying to find the right words in English. We know I had excluded him because he wasn't like me and didn't speak English as as fluently. Uh, In verse 21, in the same way, Paul describes a situation where one part of the church rejects another, saying, I don't need you. Except Paul says, no, no, you need to realise we're part of a body. And then to make his point, he paints this ridiculous situation. The eye cannot say to the head, I have no need of you. Or the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Um, Which is, if you think about it, a crazy situation. Um, If you're fortunate enough to be an able-bodied person, then you want all of your limbs and all of your faculties, don't you? I remember when I went camping and broke my collarbone on the holiday, trying to take down a tent in high winds in Wales, in wind and rain, without the use of my left arm, made me realise, no, I want every one of my limbs. Only someone, to be honest, with severe mental health issues would be saying to themselves, I don't want this part of this that my body, I want to get rid of it, you know? The kind of person that says, I've never liked my feet, so I'm gonna get rid of them. Well, you'd be concerned about where they were coming from, wouldn't you? In the same way, Paul's saying to the church in Corinth quite sharply, he's saying, what are you thinking? Uh, You're different parts of the body and you need each other. 
it's quite frankly ridiculous to suggest otherwise. In just the same way, you and I would be crazy to reject others in the church. Yeah, sure, they may not look the same as you, they may not talk the same way as you, they may not have had the same education or background as you, but we need each other. To have a proper culture of honour and acceptance means to recognise that we're in this together. It means to recognise that we can't function. We can't do all that we're called to do unless others are included too. So often my attitude towards other people is, oh, well, I'll be kind to them, I'll, I'll be nice to them and I'll include them. I'll be kind of pleasant and Christian towards them. But notice this, when Paul writes this, he's saying you need one another. That's completely different to just saying, oh, I'll be nice to them. You know, sometimes God places people around us who are completely different to us in order to teach us things, to recognise that we need them. Um, in my experience, sometimes God causes us to marry people who are completely different to us in order to teach us things. You may remember me mentioning that Emma and I discovered when we got married that we have a whole lot of things in common except for the way that we approach time, money, ministry, uh, work, home life, uh, holidays, cooking, savings, uh, cleaning, relatives and Christmas. Uh, everything else has just been a doddle. Take, for instance, the issue of money. I entered married life with the great responsible attitude towards stewardship, so I had loads of savings and um, I only ever bought things that were on sale or economy. Um, Emma, meanwhile, entered marriage with this crazy notion that God provides. Honestly, I don't know where she gets this stuff. Uh, she went on about how God can provide everything that we need and we don't have to hoard money any longer, Paul. Uh, we could possibly even be a bit generous with our money. Uh, there was a clash of cultures, big time. But 25 years on, I realised that I'm not just meant to accept Emma in some patronising kind of way. No, I need her. And without her, I'd be eating food with the nutritional value of chipboard and wearing clothes that I found in a skip. You see, I need her to balance me out. We don't accept one another in this church in order to be nice to them. We accept one another in this church because we need them. And if we base our acceptance on some kind of inoffensive niceness, it will be shallow and it will be synthetic. You end up patronising people. The mature response is to recognise that we need these people around us. We need them for everything that they can contribute towards us. And the truth is, without the fantastic diversity of gifts, personalities and character types, this church will be quickly become a bit too vanilla. So that's the first thing I want to realise, that we're not to exclude others, we need to recognise that we need them. But there's a second scenario that Paul anticipates in this passage. He refers to in this passage not where someone is rejected by others in the body, but where they actually reject themselves. Look at verse 14 and 15 again. It says this, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say to the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body, he says. You see, if one obstacle to a culture of acceptance is us rejecting those we don't feel comfortable with, then the other, and I suggest probably the bigger one for many of us, is where we tell ourselves the lie that we see here in verse 15, I do not belong. I wonder how many of us 
have told ourselves a variation of that at one time or another. I don't belong. Uh, there's no one here like me. Um, uh, no one would notice if I wasn't here. Um, they're all different to me, or variations of that kind of thing. Have you ever told yourself one of those? And notice the reason for believing the lie here in verses 14 and 15. I don't belong because I'm a foot, not a hand. In other words, I don't belong because I'm different. And this is where we get creative, because we can find a dozen different ways in which we're different to those around us. Like, uh, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, so I'm different. Um, I don't know my Bible too well, I'm different. Uh, I'm working class or upper class or middle class, I'm different. I'm older than most people or younger than most people, therefore I'm different. I had a good education or I had no education at all, therefore I'm different. And then what happens is we exclude ourselves because of that difference. We emotionally remove ourselves from the picture. Sure, we may still turn up on a Sunday or even watch online, but emotionally we step back and we distances, distance ourselves from the church around us. But the truth is we all need to remain connected. We all need to recognise our position and our contribution um, to this church. The temptation might be, particularly say at the moment, if you're not able to participate on a Sunday because of um, shielding or ill health or whatever, to believe that you therefore don't belong in the same way. When of course, the whole point of Paul's argument of why we belong is precisely because we are different. Uh, different backgrounds, different life circumstances here and now, different aspects or, or contributions that we have to make to the church as a whole. Because God doesn't want a whole body with the same parts. He doesn't want us to look all the same, um, like a body full of hands or eyes, as Paul says here. You know, if you think about it, a body just made up of hands or eyes, that's the stuff of horror movies. Um, imagine a body just made up of feet. That would not be a good thing. You know, even the very word church in the Greek means ecclesia. It means to be called out. It means to be chosen and picked out to belong. You and I are the called out ones that we might belong here at the King's Arms. And the very reason why we might be tempted to exclude ourselves is the very reason why we fit in. Because the truth is we've only got one of you. No one else can take your place. Maybe it's time to stop excluding yourself. Maybe it's time to change the narrative that you don't belong and instead get with Paul's message here. It's precisely because you are different that we need you. You are made unique in God's image. So as we draw these two things to a close and look at these, um, let's make sure that people aren't left out and also that we don't exclude ourselves. We don't opt out but instead go with the third option, which is to be built in, to recognise that we have a place and that we have a contribution. So as I come in for landing, I guess the remaining question is really, what does this mean for you? What does it mean to be built into the King's Arms, even given your current circumstance? I would suggest to you that I think that more than anything, it's about a heart response. It's a giving of your heart to all that God is doing in you. Maybe if you can't access church in person at the moment. Maybe it means being part of an online prayer meeting or joining a group for those battling long-term illness or coming along where you can. For instance, in May, June and July, 
we're going to be having three picnics outdoors um, for those who've needed to shield and can't attend church. We're trying to create an environment, hopefully when the weather's good, where we can gather together and hang out. Look out for details on that on the website. But in the meantime, don't hold back in your heart. Don't give up. You may not be able to attend in person, but that doesn't mean to say you don't belong. We need one another in this church and we won't be fully all that God's called us to be without you. So please vote in. Please count yourself in and consider King's Arms to be your home and do what you can to stay connected. God bless you all.